0: Welcome back to the very first episode of 2020. We are now firmly in the future, flying cars, hoverboards, uh, and regular trips to Mars. Actually, some of that stuff is uh, almost uh, happening, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but this is the ABC Music Talk podcast coming back. Uh, I hope you've all recovered from the festive period and are energised for the new decade. Um, I've already lined up a bunch of excellent guests for the beginning of, the, of this year, uh, and this show is a perfect example of... Uh, of that as my guest and I take a look at one of the fastest growing disciplines in the modern music industry, digital marketing and the content that is used to engage audiences. But for regular listeners you'll know that I've got a, a little bit to read out regarding my sponsor Rota and that is Rota makes it fast and simple to create music videos, promo videos and lyric videos. Rota offers both DIY video creation tools as well as cost-effective white-glove service via the team at Rotor Studio. The web tool at rotavideos.com has all you need to automatically add stunning moving image visuals to your audio, both from your own video library but also from a large catalogue of royalty-free, high-quality stock assets. It allows you to create a full music videos in either 360 or 1080p definition and you can create an infinite amount of drafts for free allowing you to experiment with a vast amount of styles which add visual effects and different editing transitions to suit your music. Head to abcmusic.co and click the Rotor logo on the homepage to access 10% off discount for the service. If you'd like more information on the Rotor Studio service, contact me, Alex, at abcmusic.co for more details. But back to the show. Uh, Now, uh, this is to do with digital marketing and the content that is used to engage audiences and in my experience there are very few people that I've come across that perform leadership in this area better than my guest this week. VP of digital and creative for music company Empire Moody Jones, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Alex. Really excited to be here.
0: Thank you very much for taking the time out. So we're we're currently in London. and Moody is travelling. He also DJs as well. So he's been on a little little bit of a tour over the festive period. So he's taken some time out to uh, to come and do this. So very grateful for for his uh, for his help. And I, and I hope that that. Uh, that intro doesn't diminish the fact that we do actually work together. Cause I always feel like I should be <laughs> clear with people. Uh, but, uh, genuinely I do mean that. Um, you know, I mean, personally I've been away from the sort of the campaign side of putting records out for a while. And when, when I came back to empire, you know, it was a real sort of learning experience for me. Um, and, and quite frankly, you know, having you in, you know, being in the sales meetings, just listening to the way you do it, it's genuinely a sort of like a period of wonderment for someone like myself. So it's always an education. Um, and in fact, your, your approach seems to be quite fresh. Right. Um, and I wonder whether that's something to do with your background, because am I right in saying you're not traditionally from the music industry?
1: Um, correct. So originally, um, I started off working at um, a- agencies that worked on campaigns for like Duracell and Heinz Ketchup, um, you know, and a lot of these kind of like big home brands. And then I transitioned from there uh, to working for an agency that specialized in adult advertising so that's everything from porn to (laughs) pharmaceuticals to basically anything that Google won't do Um, and then from there um, I started an HR company and I joined an accelerator program Um, I kind of focused on all the marketing for the HR company Um, and then eventually our investor bought us out and he was investing in a new kind of agency which specialized in music advertising and he said hey I know you have your background in advertising and media buying, um, and I know at night you DJ and you're heavy in the music industry. Have you thought of combining both? So um, I joined this company called Wevo, which at the time was doing remix competitions, um, and essentially my role was to build uh, this ad network for them. And um, fast forward to that, um, you know, we went from making 50 bucks a month to by the time I left, um, we were doing a little over half a million a month uh, in revenue, and then I decided to transition over to Empire um, because they were my favorite client out of right. most of most the labels that I, we were working with.
0: So it it's just felt like a very sort of natural kind of...
1: Yeah, I mean, you learn a lot when you're working on the other side. Um, and so when, when I was at Wevo, a lot of the labels seemed like they kind of gave us the projects, but there was no flexibility. Um, there was no creative um, in in the flexibility side so if they send us assets those are the assets to use if they send us a caption that's the caption to use there wasn't like input from our end so if we had a better idea of doing it they're like sorry that's what we want to do and Empire was the only company where I would say hey like have you thought of doing this and literally they would say hey if it looks better just fucking do it (laughs) Um, and I was like great like it just you know if if, they, if it's a good change and the artist is going to win and they're going to win then it's then just do it like it's kind of a no brainer and that's when I understood the difference between an independent label versus a traditional label
0: right just the, the, the less layers of less uh, layers uh, less red uh, tape and, yeah I yeah. mean
1: the approval is literally the person you're talking to you yeah. like yeah do it yeah
0: um, so, and, and, and so, so how long were you working with Empire before so how long have you been at Empire now
1: um, in March, March 1st
0: would be two years, two years. Okay. Um, and, I,
1: and before moving to empire, I was working with, so empire was a client of Wevo for, let's say two years, no, a year. And then empire started asking for more stuff that Wevo couldn't do. And I decided to do it. Uh, so I just started consulting for empire. Um,
0: so that, but that was pre-March
1: that was pre-March. And right. so for a year, I just worked with Empire directly. Okay, so it's so kind of place. four years then. Yeah.
0: All right. So, I mean, and Empire's 10 years old. Right. And so that's a good chunk of its kind of lifetime. Right. Because, I mean, from my understanding, pretty much you've more or less developed this department within within Empire, which you're now vice president of, which is fantastic, by the way. Congratulations Thank on you. the Thank recent promotion. I appreciate um, it. Thank you. And, it, it, I mean, I know that they were always doing they've always been quite progressive as a company right um, and quite sort of aware but obviously someone like yourself with a very sort of specialist area of expertise right working with them alongside them but then coming into the company and and the, uh, from what i say you've created that department is that is that is that's
1: that correct i mean i basically took the, being in an independent so even when i was at wavo Wavo is a company that had a lot of investors um and for, you know for we didn't make a profit until like six years in. So when the company becomes very process-oriented, things become less and less flexible and everyone becomes tied to their title and their position. So at Wevo, you know, although I was like, I oversold the entire sales team, if I had ideas in other departments, unfortunately, I can't act on them because at the end of the day, it's a company that's operating for profit and they have quarterly targets. Mm-hmm. And if any of these ideas are gonna take away from my main role, then I can't pursue them. Um, and that's when I re- started to realize a lot of the frustrations slash the benefits of being somewhere where I would have that freedom. Um, from the moment I started at Empire, you know, I, I started off coming in as like the director of uh, digital marketing, but I think I spent the first two months like restructuring roles and figuring out a process to scale the company um and the reason i did that is because i i i like the digital marketing department is where things funnel to Mm -hmm. from the entire company and i saw as we scaled the workload is just going to get out of hand and so in order to keep up with everything we need a process we need to project manage everything and so i i instilled that and i think a lot of the growth that we've been successful with now came from just me seeing a, a challenge from my side and saying hey like i'm sure the rest of the company will suffer in the future if we don't start acting on it um, but other companies would not allow their employees to kind of go ahead and do it if you
0: think it makes At, sense add, add those pieces in right yeah. um and so because because now i mean there's been a, a bit of a hiring spirit in the company um For, and you know i mean many different departments that kind of either on fall directly under your purview or are related directly related to, as you, you said earlier, things kind of flow into what you do. Right. Um, so can you just talk through how some of those roles, like what what are those role, roles and, and how do they look? Cool,
1: so on our side, um, I think the way things kind of were very lateral um, at, the, at the beginning with all the teams, but then we realized that th- things will start to move faster if they went to the right team in in a specific order and so the design team kind of started to fall under the creative department right um and that's just because like the way things were is like design would usually get the requests from the artist or from the teams like hey could you make this for me and then i realized that like this could be a lot faster if the design person was in the meeting prior so they understand the project better Mm -hmm. so then it's not like just make this but it's like, cool, but I also have another idea on how this could be even better. Or during the conversation, can be like, that's not a realistic thing to design. Yeah. Um,
0: And and so, because I've used the word content, which mm. I think is a kind of catch-all for perhaps some of the, so design is a part of it, and design would be uh, creating digital assets predominantly, right, that's that's what we're talking about. Creating
1: digital assets predominantly, but also um, these assets could end up Transfer so we could design something digitally that ends up becoming a mural, we could design something digitally uh, that right. ends up being merch. Yeah, um, so it all ends up being tangible in the long run. The, I mean, the better the design, the more likely it is to yeah. transfer into something offline. Um, but the content, so the, the design stuff, the design team kind of links with the content team. Content team is more focused on um, what kind of videos or it's mostly video side honestly Uh, what kind of videos do we want to add as an added value to our to our fans so how can we teach our fans you know more about the behind the scenes things how can we show them the lighter side of artists how can we um, introduce a new artist to a fan base Um, how do we you know help launch an album so the content team may or may not work with the design team Um, they're more focused on creating and narrating a story
0: right okay
1: Um,
0: and so in the content team you've got videographers
1: you've got videographers you've got strategists you've got directors um, editors and then they may need the design team to help on logo creation or animations or you know assets for promo or you know just ideas of how like to make a scene work if they're trying to get something right um
0: but, but, yeah. but part of it was you kind of pulling that together making sure that they're, they're in the loop if you like right. from the beginning all the way through to the end
1: absolutely right. it's I, I think it's more <clears throat> I think a lot of my focus is kind of reverse engineering and trying to have marketing at an earlier stage of the process for anything right um, I think the secret to a lot of companies you know like Apple or whatever is the marketing isn't something that's thought out after but during production how can we include marketing during release how do we include marketing even at the store you know having a line outside that's marketing you know so how do we add marketing to every stage of the process from buying to reselling to transferring um so you know so i think that's what we're trying to do is like marketing not being hey the project's finished here you go now market it but like hey while we're at the studio let's figure out like and that's why I, I attach the, the the term creative to the title right because it it can't be later on it has to come you know during recording like maybe you can include the name of the song as this because it's gonna be marketed that way um, the reason we're gonna have this line in the song is because we're gonna use that to that's market a, it to right. that fancy it you know becomes a strap line exactly yeah. so at every stage marketing is thought out so then we can roll it out properly instead of here's the final product, now go sell it.
0: Yeah, right. Um,
1: and so th- that's what we're trying to do. From So every, I know as we keep going, the the marketing is gonna keep going back in the process.
0: And I guess some of this is also, I mean, I, I know kind of how people like Dazi uh, and Nemo, the, the company, you know, think about kind of culture that, that sits around, you know, if you like, the old, old world view of we're creating products. Mm-hmm. But to your point there, you're actually making something to fit. The, the environment that it's going into um, and so that I guess it's got to work the way around that you're, you're talking about you can't just go and kind of sit in a sit in a uh, you know a little office somewhere and create something and go right now try and sell that to, right. to people that perhaps don't want it and, right. and, that, and that that certainly that, that's kind of that was one of the things that it's not that I learned that at Empire but right. but that that became one of the biggest sort of aspects to it and you know and a lot of I know it comes from Ghazi and how he thinks about the world. Um, but, you know, to sort of see, you know, people like yourself as well kind of, you know, sort of, you know, enhance all of that and, and really, you know, create that was, you know, really interesting to see having just come out of, like, you know, an environment like Warner and, and, and others that, you know, where things are spread so much further apart right. and they're not all connected and they're not all sort of, they're expecting another department to go and do something because that's what their role is. Right. Um, and sometimes it's very difficult because exactly. they've not been...
1: And at one point that... Um we got to make sure that um, I I think like the reason we're doing marketing so much and we're trying to go back in the process and include it in the creative process is because um, we deal with a lot of developing acts. And for the developing act, the marketing has to come. You have to find what it is that separates this product. Uh, Where is the competitive advantage? What really differentiates it? And so if you're at the very end of that, it's so much harder. Yeah. so that's why we try and go back as much as possible if you have an artist who's an incredible brand name by all means here's my final product now go sell it that's that's a different case yeah but you know developing acts is something i've always loved like it's as a, especially as a marketing person and a marketing professional it's so easy to sell something with a big name that's, <laughs> right. you don't really need <laughs>
0: if, I mean, if there's already a fan base there so if there's, there's already base, an awareness like, yeah. you don't really need me
1: yeah like Whatever the artist wants, by all means. If he says no marketing, by all means, it still works. Yeah. Like, you don't need it. But when it comes to developing acts, and not just that, when it works, when you have to work with limited budgets, mm-hmm. you got to be conscious. And, like, that money is, like, every dollar counts. And so I can't be, you know, I, I have to be, I can't be frivolous with, 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 the, with people's budgets. And so what's the best way? What's the best bang for my buck? How can I make sure that, we're really capitalizing on the most thing that differentiates that artist from everyone else. Yeah. So being as involved early on and trying to find these different pieces that sets them apart is what's gonna help a developing act break.
0: Yeah, I, I mean certainly my experience of working at Sony in the nineties was there was a lot of kind of cookie cutter mm. approach to things like marketing. And it was it was kind of like there was a checklist, and you just had to kind of do the stuff, spend the money because it was in a budget somewhere, right. and people expected you to do it. Right. Um, obviously, it's a you know very different world now. You know, um, but that's presumably where you're really sort of you know finding your value. Right. And I guess the digital aspect of it is helpful because you know the the possibilities are almost infinite. You know, it's not just billboard posters that, that cost a certain amount to get. You know, right, right. Um, so you you've mentioned the word strategy, um, and there are other, and I think we talked about that a little bit there. But the the, the other sort of roles within it, ad buying, um, obviously the content creation we've covered. I mean, uh, uh, what what else am I kind of missing uh, from from your immediate world, so to speak?
1: I think it's um, you know both understanding what your fans really want, what they're looking for, why they're even following you. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing is like really understanding what kind of artists you're dealing with. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand. So, you know, how come you have five million views on YouTube, but you can't stream on Spotify for the life of you? It's a lot of people think that just because i have those views i have to have those streams but you have to understand that maybe you're a youtube artist it's possible that i only right. like to watch you i don't like to listen to you well, perhaps that's where the
0: audience is you know right. the, and you know the the the, the audience, audiences between the different services are quite distinct and yeah. quite different and they're not always the same
1: absolutely yeah. and sometimes like the artist doesn't realize that your music might not be that good without the video
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're quite visual.
1: Yeah, it might yeah. not be that good. So
0: it's I mean it's the same with Instagram as well, it's right? The same that with Instagram. We, we, you right. know, I know that we've got a few artists that do incredibly well in terms of engagement on right. pl- platforms like Instagram, but can we get anything to stream yeah. on Spotify? That's and, and, and that's
1: the reality, um, and that's one thing that uh, Nima, who was the chief operating officer at Empire, is really vigilant about. Is like he really looks at do you really have fans? Right. Not are you streaming? Yeah. Because you can be on a playlist on Spotify or Apple Music and have half a million monthly listeners this month, but how many of those are going to go to your show? Mm-hmm. How many of those are actually going to pay even 10 bucks to see you? Mm-hmm. Um, how many of those are excited when something... You know what I mean? You you just have listeners, and most of the time, monthly listeners are passive listeners. They're not active listeners. Right. They're people who press play, put their phone in their pockets, and they never look at it. They don't mm-hmm. even know what artist. And all the time they're like oh yeah i know this song i've heard it before but they don't know the artist they don't know the song name they don't know anything and those are passive listeners and those aren't the people we're necessarily trying to earn as fans Mm -hmm. we're trying to get the you know the early adopters in the group of of, of friends the people that every time they get in the car they play like everyone in the car has to listen to the song those are the fans we try we want to get they're the ones that refer artists they're the ones that push people to go to shows and those are the ones that are going to become loyal fans mm-hmm. and and help translate your story to everyone else.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, so on this subject, so you, I mean, I know that you do a lot of kind of um, pre and kind of you know live, if you like, and then post campaign analysis. Right. So you're looking at certain bits of the information that you're able to to get hold of. Are there? I mean, what are the what are the most important stats? I mean, you know, I mean, obviously engagement is kind of I guess what we were talking about there right. in terms of like being aware of. Is, is this person actually engaged or is that or are they passive right so I mean just some of the key platforms what are the things that you typically look at to, to...
1: so um, I'll start with YouTube because it's personally it's my favorite platform
0: what why it's the only one with feedback right the, the comments
1: comments the likes, likes the view rate the replays right um, it's the only one that gives you that. It's also
0: the, my, the, the the truly global one, and the also the, and one. the one that anyone with a device and connectivity can access. It's, it's the connected. easiest
1: one. Yeah. But to me, YouTube's the best because I can go and, and read the... Like, sometimes I'll read comments and be like, you know, this artist would be great with so-and-so. I'd be like, yeah, you're right. As an artist, yeah. if I read that, hmm. I would be like, damn. like the, that And then I see like it has like a thousand likes, like that's a really easy conversation to hit, to hit that artist and be like, hey, like, all my fans are saying I should make a song with you. Here's,
0: yeah, right. here's the proof for right. it. You know
1: what I'm saying? It's 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 like a no-brainer. Um, and then it also helps me understand my. Some people be like, you know, I love the intro. I love this. I hate how this happens. It's the only platform that allows you to do that. None of the other platforms do that. And like the way I like to describe it is, on all the other DSPs, you're the artist playing the big room and no one can go backstage and talk to you right and you're on a pedestal up high youtube is you're playing a private party everyone's hanging around everyone's friends and so like you really see people's faces and how they're interacting and whatever um and so that's why like i love youtube it's like i really you really know if you're doing good or bad um and and,
0: you know it it does require a visual component to make it engaging though doesn't it
1: it requires it requires but that's the thing YouTube Music Now with their push and the other thing about YouTube is their algorithm like their recommendations are great right okay their recommendation engine is awesome right like as soon as like I've never pressed play and ended up skipping later on when a song came in because it has all these other parameters in it right on other platforms, it's just did they skip the song or not?
0: I see. Yeah, so more data to, to feed the algorithm yeah. to. Yeah. Okay. On
1: YouTube, there's so many more parameters, so it makes sense. Um, but going back to the the values that matter. So for YouTube, for me, it's um, how many people rewatch the video. Ah, okay. How many people? Yeah, because that
0: that would be a true indicator of. Absolutely. oh wow that was really good let's go back and yeah, yeah. okay
1: and, and, and I think on YouTube the, the window is like two weeks so if I know if, if I get 100,000 plays and 5,000 rewatched it that's 5,000 real fans yeah those are real fans mm-hmm. those are my power fans those are the guys that are going to support me yeah I can count on them the moment I put something new to be the first people to listen to it um, how many people watched another video on my channel that's all that means like okay. Let's see what else you got. Yeah. And then they went through my like those are great metrics. The ones people need to forget about are like ones like subscribers. Are like I I think comments are great, but I don't think it's a number you should care about.
0: Right, interesting cuz you would have thought that that extra step to go and subscribe to something with that consciousness knowing that you're going to get pushed the next episode or the next video the, the or problem
1: the... is YouTube's engine is so good that you never need to subscribe <laughs>
0: Interesting. every time I open YouTube right. here's five his, videos his, his... I never
1: subscribe to the channels but YouTube knows I like it yeah. so I've never had to subscribe Interesting. never needed to Yeah. you know and the only time I've ever subscribed is like an artist who I've never heard of so someone was over and played me something and I absolutely loved it and I didn't have time to finish it and so I pressed subscribe right. so later on or so let YouTube know hey like I love this I just don't have time to listen to it Yeah. Now. but other than that anytime you open YouTube the recommendations are shit that's relative to you um, so but like artists dwell on that like how come I don't have a lot of subscribers I don't I don't I don't think it's a number that you should care about comments too like you don't need a lot of first of all the way consumer behavior is now most people use YouTube on their phones on smart TVs on Playstations you can't comment I can, I, there's videos I've watched thousands of times, I've never commented, and I can't, I, there's no way for me to comment. I watch it all on my Apple TV, or I watch it all on my Chromecast. Right, you right, can't comment.
0: Right, yeah, that is a change. Yeah, you're right. I so so
1: if I get you get a million plays, and you don't have comments, people trip, and they're like, oh, this guy has fake plays, or if you're running an ad campaign, oh, these ads are not real. It's like, no. They don't have the ability to leave a comment, and that's why YouTube is moving their comments to another tab because it's not relative. And the other thing is like comments don't impact a video whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So when you see videos trending, that's just plays. Comments and engagement are not included in it. Because someone you can have a thousand comments that all say trash. That's still a thousand comments. Yeah. So it doesn't get included into the recommendation engine. It's a thousand comments that say trash but it's still gonna get recommended. Interesting. Um so the subscribers and the comments even the likes I don't think as an artist you should care about these numbers what you should care about is how long people watch the video Mm -hmm. did they skip because plays count after 30 seconds so if everyone skipped after 30 seconds chances are it's not really good if people rewatch the video then great if people watch another video that's amazing if people shared the video that's awesome all the other metrics don't really matter
0: Uh, you've uh, really sort of uh... Set my mind going about that—that that kind of that awareness of how the devices and the way that people are accessing this information. Because I think for most people, they think YouTube on a computer, you know, or a tablet or something that's got the kind of traditional uh, interface. But of course, you're absolutely right. You know, that I'm mean, personally at home. You know, I've seen a sort of a real change in terms of smart TVs in the house and right. my and my kids moving from the smaller screen on on the on the tablet to the bigger screen because it's just so easy now right and it's remembered what they were like you know last looking at and yeah it's a and it is a different um it's It's different even if you want to
1: subscribe it's a lot of extra like on a smart tv you have to be in a video you have to scroll down click the three dots on their left and then a new menu opens up and then you go all the way to the right to subscribe that's a lot of steps for me to subscribe yeah right so if youtube is down playing it and not putting it front and center why are we concerned with it being front and center?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) Very good point. Very Um, good point.
1: And then um, on Facebook, on Instagram, it's always... And the other thing, uh, Alex, is... I don't know anyone who watches music videos more than I do. I never comment on any video, unless it's a client or an artist. (laughs) I'll never comment. All the comments are always either diehard fans... Mm -hmm or the complete
0: opposite or trolls
1: yeah the complete opposite fans of the competitive art oh right and they're just there To... to hate on it yeah and then that sparks the conversation um and then like just you know it doesn't make any sense like why like I never leave a comment ever and I don't know anyone who does I've never met a friend said I'm the guy who leaves comments
0: yeah because it's kind of like just shouting out into the ether isn't it that there's because there's no real feedback loop particularly I mean I know people can reply in line and create like a thread within right. it but uh, unless the artist uh,
1: gets involved yeah and replies to every person's comment which yeah right, right I would right, right. love
0: if artists did that but um, you do sometimes see it but yeah they, not, I mean,
1: especially for a developing act
0: yeah sure they're like, oh, thanks so much for watching. Like, I, yeah. I,
1: I, just, I started this conversation, why saying why YouTube is my favorite mm-hmm. because of the feedback. Now imagine an artist, like imagine you're an American artist developing. You have two thousand fans, and then someone says in Russia, "Oh my God, I fucking love you." It's a lot for someone to go on someone's video and say, "Oh my God, I fucking love you." The least you could do is reply and say, you know, I appreciate you. Me yeah. too. A heart, a knuckle, whatever. Yeah. Um it takes a lot for someone to leave a comment like that halfway across the world but I don't know if, if it's an ego thing I don't know if it's a time thing or maybe it's just YouTube does uh,
0: yeah just an awareness thing as well yeah, I mean I don't think yeah I mean I don't think I've ever heard anyone from YouTube sort of say oh you know if you've got artists you should get them on the platform and you should like, I don't
1: think they make it easy for you to yeah. reply
0: well yeah there's that
1: you can only do it on a computer like I don't know any artist that's ever yeah. on a desktop
0: yeah, I mean, we, I mean, I use it on a desktop, but only because I'm doing some work. Yeah, you know, I'm there doing other things. Right. Yeah. But
1: I, unless they they have like a, you know, the artist app on YouTube where you can quickly mm. reply to everyone and do things like that. Right. Right. But I don't think these any of these things are things of importance to YouTube.
0: Some innovations clearly to come, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, they, they have. I feel like as digital became. a uh, certainly from the music industry point of view, like the uh, format for consumption, um, whether it was downloads, whether it was streaming, you know, I've seen the services get better over that period of time. And they do continually sort of, but then they'll change stuff. Yeah. And then they'll make something complete, they'll make it worse. Right. right?
1: But I, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, all these companies, they have to turn a profit. Yeah. And for a company, for like most of the DSPs, they're, 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 Success is measured by the amount of time they can keep a, f- um, a, um, a consumer on their profile. Um, you know, they don't get paid more or less when someone skips a song. They get paid more when you spend more hours on Spotify. So that's always going to be their main goal. Yeah. Um, with something like YouTube, uh, YouTube Music only represents less than ten percent that's music on YouTube. Mm-hmm. The other 90% is like gaming and how-to videos and makeup tutorials. So for us to ever think that all these issues that we have are gonna be escalated right. for artists yeah it, pro- probably your, not, yeah it represents 10% of represents 10% of your portfolio <laughs> I don't think that's of the highest importance yeah. so focus on the big things don't don't focus on all the little things all the details. Just have good quality videos. Yeah, that's it. Don't don't worry about the numbers so much. And if it like there's videos till now that came out three years ago and are still getting recommended today, which I love about YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, other platforms, other DSPs don't do that. Like the release date is part of the recommendation formula. Right. So if something new came out after your last track, or this track's just been out for six months it won't be recommended next it will only recommend things from the last quarter for example um... which i think is like also an interesting influence of what it's doing to listeners today i think we it's taught us all to get bored of music quicker and uh... and and our attention has become shorter and that plus Platforms like TikTok is just dictating how songs are getting produced and what the mm-hmm. format's gonna be like and what things to say in songs.
0: Yeah. And other platforms, maybe just cover Spotify, as that's the kind of the, the main one that people kind of look at. Um, ads to library, what are the other kind of bits of metrics that you kind of would.
1: Spotify, so on, on, on the other platforms, because they're just music platforms. Mm-hmm. You have to focus on what they consider is valuable. So, for something like Spotify, for them it really is the skip rate. Um, the the less your the the lower your skip rate, the better the song is. And so, what that means is, if there's a weird part in your song, you're gonna get skipped.
0: Right. Right. We, so we, weird bits being.
1: If you have a long, long intro. Right. I can't put you in my playlist. Yeah. If the playlist is, let's say, a gym workout playlist mm-hmm. and even though your whole song is called one two push up mm-hmm. but the song starts with ten seconds of you talking I'm going to skip it <laughs> so I can't put it in my playlist because yeah, right. the, the best playlists are the ones where someone presses play and never has to look at their phone again yeah. even though your song is exactly made for working out that literally that first ten seconds of you talking is going to get it banned from being on any of those playlists mm-hmm. um, if in the middle of the song all of a sudden you stop and there's a guitar solo there you go. I can't because people are gonna skip it right when that part here. So, in a way, having you—you you have to make sure to capture someone's attention, but not take all their attention because they want to listen to your music, but they're busy doing other shit. And that's the majority of listeners on DSPs. Those are the passive listeners. That's the music you hear when you're at a restaurant. That's the music you hear when you're at a store. That's the music you hear at a gym it's a consistent flow of records that all kind of sound similar and there's no surprises in the middle of any of these songs because it will get my attention all of a sudden but now I'm noticing why am I listening to it yeah right Um, so the skip rate I think instead of monthly listeners its followers on Spotify Mm mm-hmm that's that's a really big that's probably the most important one which is kind of like
0: the subscriptions on a YouTube channel right and so that's so a good example of perhaps how you've always got to look at these platforms differently. Right. As you were saying subscribers doesn't matter so much on YouTube. But
1: on Spotify, it does Spotify, matter. Yeah. Because you can listen to a song. I can listen to a song three times, but still, it's not going to show up to me when I go. And the thing is, the way the recommendations work on Spotify, you like no one really looks at the homepage and browses through what's going on. Mm-hmm. The moment you open Spotify, it's the playlists that are made for you. It's your release radar, your discovery weekly, and then you got to click and then you press play and then you don't look at your phone. Yeah. Um, On YouTube, the moment you open it up, you see like 12 videos and it's like ranging from stuff you've heard before, artists you've heard before, videos you've watched randomly and that's the actual uh, content. On Spotify, it's their playlist that is the first thing you see, not what the actual content is. Right. So you end up like following their lead. Yeah. The other, so month, the followers is a big thing. Um, one feature I'm hoping they, they, they put in soon, but so when you go to someone's profile, you have buttons to like go to their Instagram, to read their bio, things mm-hmm. like that. To me, that's the most important part. If, if Spotify can share that data, like how many people actually clicked on my link, how many people went and read my bio, I think that's way better than all that other stuff because that means that someone was interested enough to go learn more about me and spotify does a great job of displaying that information like i'll when i when i hear something i'll go i be like oh shit you know this guy's 18 years old or i can't believe he's from kentucky or let me go see what kind of following he has on instagram i just he just took or he or she just took so much of my attention
0: mm-hmm.
1: but he d- doesn't know that yeah he has no idea
0: yeah because on Instagram you can see that can't you it says how many profile views
1: yeah have you, you got. can see how many profile visits yeah. and the thing is it's already in the platform like yeah it should be stuff that they should know because you might realize that maybe there's something in your bio that turns people off mm-hmm. they go read it and they'll be like there's nothing special
0: yeah or actually you know they're, they're too different from how I see the world exactly but maybe there's some political views or something right like that. so
1: yeah. sharing that information with the artist would be great How many people clicked on it would be great. Um, because then it like helps them know what needs updating, what do I need to focus on? Mm -hmm. Um, and then adding saving to library or adding to playlist, those are really good ones too. But, um, same goes for Apple Music, it's just more and more those platforms are will show you what you want to listen to. youtube is very i'm gonna search for something and go watch it mm-hmm. it's very different yeah um that's why i feel like youtube is a very active fan base and spotify is more of a i'm gonna play something and go do something else yeah on youtube it's like i have to pay attention i just decided i'm gonna watch a music video yeah so now you have my eyes my brain and my ears i don't pay attention to this um so i don't think it's the same on other platforms
0: yeah so, so from a marketing point of view obviously we we're just talking there about um, some of the the ways with which you analyze success I guess is a good catch-all for the activities that you'd be doing mm. in your in your role I mean I know that uh, the company does a little bit of sort of like they, they test sort of a B test some assets just talk through kind of that process and just explain kind of you know what, what you might be doing there cool so it's a very good question
1: so um I think a lot of what we do on uh, essentially like the ad side, um, if we're running Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, Twitter, uh, ads, any type of ads like that, we always make sure to run dynamic creatives. So what that does is we upload as many assets as possible and then depending on which ones perform best, um, like the system ends up picking that because it engages better. Um, In the past, we would create controlled tests for each different thing so for example should it say listen now or learn more or sign up like just the call to action Mm -hmm. like what each call to action how strong is that on the the fan base we would use you know should we use the artist's face the artist's artwork the artist's name but we've I think we've gotten to a point where we've ran so many tests and gotten similar results that now the only type of A-B testing we do is just the creative because we know for a fact that having the artist name and project name in the very first two seconds is essential for it to succeed. Because even if I skip your ad, at least I know what ad I just saw. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In the past, people, would, they wouldn't put their, their artist name, their title, nothing. Um, having creatives, the, the more creatives you can make, it's always going to factor into a campaign performing better. Um, even if I've seen your ad once, I might not click on it. Second time, I might not click on it. Most of the time, it's on the second or third time. If I got served a different kind of ad every time, I'm thinking there's a lot more to this project than I thought there was. Mm. And I'm now I'm, I'm interested to see more. So just having small things like that, it could be the exact same asset, just one's black and white, one's color. That's enough to warrant mm. that, there's a lot more effort into this project than I thought there was. Interesting. You know what I mean? It's, you know, even if you skip it, even if you aren't interested, sometimes we skip ads just because I'm just not in the mood right now, but Mm -hmm. if you give it to me later on, I will be interested. Um, Like if you show me an ad for an artist for a song or for a video anytime while I'm at work, I'm never gonna have time to see this, Mm -hmm. never. So like now we just don't run ads during working hours. Um, a lot of the music videos we run, we focus on running the ads during peak hours of pre-game or partying or after-party, because chances are, if you're at home at nine o'clock and your friends are over and you're all pre-drinking before you go out, and you're trying to play a Rick Ross video and I show you a similar artist to Rick Ross, you're not going to be upset about that, and I think. At, like we've gotten to a point where we've done so many tests that now we've gone to you know a, a safe place where we can make certain decisions without having to test them out.
0: Yes, yeah, you're sort of answering my next question, which was kind of: Are there parts of a campaign that you standardize versus always trying to kind of always be creative? Right. Um, and I, you're sort of answering that in the in the. Mm-hmm because you've learned so much yeah. about um, perhaps a particular audience type that actually, yeah, we'll, we'll do that again and again and again because we know it works. Yeah.
1: So a lot of the agencies, they have, well most companies, they have a process called customer success. Right. And so what that entails is communicating with the client to show them that you're working so much that they feel that by the time the campaign ends, they've worked so hard that now they deserve their margins Um, and that makes sense a lot for a lot of companies especially when you're working with acts with budgets that won't affect them. With developing acts when I I used to work in, in the past with different companies with a lot of developing acts I felt guilty like there's no reason for me to test out the first week with this audience and then tell you a week later that, oops, that audience isn't great, but I'm going to optimize now and cut these out, and now it's going to be more focused, you know, you just cost me like an extra 30, 40% of my budget, right. you testing out to figure out what makes sense. I could have told you.
0: Yeah. You know From what I mean? It's common sense.
1: Yeah. Um, and even in the, in the rare occurrence where, really weird, but turns out, you know, uh, divorced men between the age of 36 and 45 were your target. that's a very rare occur- occurrence I'm not really down to figure out and if yeah. you're developing act, chances are developing acts you're, you're not going to get fans above the age of 40 right. with a brand new artist yeah, yeah. you know what I mean you're going to get fans from a younger demographic on newer um, platforms that are early adopters that like trying out things it's always going to be the case um, so nowadays it's even like, when when in the past like we'd ask our um, our artists or our management teams like you know give us a list of similar artists that you think your fan base is similar to, but it got to a point where I was like, why do we need like ten artists? Like let's just focus on two or three and nail it. Because those two or three are the cl- mo- closest to you and they already have a fan base that's big enough. And so if we just focus on those three artists and you can just get 10% of them, that's great. It's better than focusing on 20 different artists and you getting 10% of that, which is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think it's more about niche targeting, but it has become standardized.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But, you know, the, the mistake that a lot of people make is like when they, when they want to... Like any hip-hop campaign, everyone has Juice World, Drake... You know, Post Malone, Little Uzi Vert, and they're targeted. For example, those are the most generic artists you can possibly have with the biggest fan base you can possibly have. You just listed every American, Canadian, you know, British hip-hop fan in the world. Yeah. That's not good. That's not a good campaign. If you just found artists that were slightly above you with a bigger fan base, those are the fans you want to go over because... The, the chances are the people that like that artist are slightly above you. If you compare yourself to Drake, if I'm on YouTube, I'm trying to watch a Drake video, and instead I see your video, I'm fucking disappointed. There's yeah. no way your video, in any chance in hell, is going to look
0: anything, good. anything
1: as good as Drake. And my expectations were set on Drake. Yeah. So I'm annoyed at you. Yeah. Why are you making me watch this? Got it. So if you focus on artists that are slightly above you, then you're in compar- comparable mode, then my expectations are low, and then I'm impressed. And I'm like, oh, damn, that is right, right. pretty close to what I wanted or even better. And then you mm. become a fan easier.
0: Mm. Interesting. Because yeah, platforms like Chartmetric have that benchmarking aspect, don't they, where you, you're kind of listed alongside your other, right. other artists. Very,
1: very good uh, very good tool. And I think people, Chartmetric provides so much data that people just get to a point where they're not sure what to make the most out right. of it. I don't know if they even have that, but if they can just be like, hey, for marketing teams, these are the only stats you should be looking at for content teams this is what you should focus on for social media teams that's what you should be looking at
0: very interesting that wow. would
1: be cool just like changing the layout of what i'm looking at based on what team i'm on
0: i'm i'm cool with Chaz jenkins from Chartmetrics, so yeah. i will uh, i will ask him about that yeah. um, you've mentioned budgets just a minute ago i mean for, from from my understanding is digital marketing budgets have risen quite a lot in part because there's many more opportunities now influencers mm-hmm or new opportunities within DSPs uh, you know growing the, like the social kind of aspects to it I mean so um, how do you how do you find your coping with like managing that with with the artists with the labels with the uh, the managers or whoever it is that you're kind of interfacing with so um,
1: at, at Empire we I mean our our role is always to support and advise the artists we'll provide the guidelines but at the end of the day if an artist wants to do something else, that's completely up to them. Right. I'll always say that, like, you should be spending all your money on marketing, because if you put out your content right now, whatever it is, there's so much music more than ever. There's so much videos more than ever. There's so much noise more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't market it, it's just it's just gonna disappear. Yeah. And because of the way all the DSPs are, once a release is out and it doesn't gain traction, it's just gone. You're better off taking it down and re-releasing it like six m- months later and doing it properly. Right. Um, and that's why I've, like a lot of people in the music industry love TikTok because it's the only thing that's bringing a lot of these lost opportunities where we fucked up on the marketing mm-hmm. is like brings it back to life and then you get a second chance to market it again. That's why a lot of people in the music industries love it. Um, I'll always advise. So, uh, before the marketing, again going back to reverse engineering, spend as much money on the content. Like the better the quality, the the, the cheaper your marketing is going to be. Mm-hmm. If I have to force more people to watch your video, or I have to force more people to click on your ad, and you're you know the forcing is what co- costs more money.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, in terms of like the video creation, where would you where would you sort of get people to spend the money would it be on like the creative design getting the right director or the type like is it the quality of the cameras or like hiring out a studio or you know location stuff what what kind of I think the
1: quality of the camera or the lens is for sure one of the top ones Mm -hmm. Um, going back to what we were saying about consumer behavior now we watch everything in 4k right on our big TVs Uh Uh, because if someone makes the decision to watch a video He's gonna watch the video um, everyone has Netflix at home that means everyone has YouTube at home so if I'm gonna watch your video on my TV and it looks cheap it's real sometimes I literally will not like a song anymore because the video ruined it oh wow yeah cuz when I heard the song the quality of the production was good the, the you know the mixing was great the mastering was awesome and i imagined an idea in my head and then i watch it and i'm and like i thought you were way more developed yeah right you, nice.
0: you look a bit sort of underdeveloped yeah you look underdeveloped and, yeah and then i see you need that aspirational bit don't you yeah. to kind of you know admire someone
1: it's the expectation mm-hmm. you know what i mean right and same with the ads like i was saying if i'm expecting a drake video and i get something else mm-hmm. i'm gonna be disappointed right, right. so it's the expectation it's like i heard the song and I'm expecting it to be a certain thing and then I watch it and I'm like this is disappointing
0: because I guess that can work the other way around like if you're if you're somebody who um, actively searches out new artists mm-hmm. you almost would be disappointed if you came across a highly polished video because you'd be like I'm too late for this mm-hmm. this is what somebody else is already on this or right. this is perhaps feeling a bit manufactured right right yeah
1: so th- going back in a marketing process and being like hey this video is great but how can we make it different mm-hmm Maybe the whole video is sideways. Maybe yeah. the whole video is, You know what I mean? But let's find something... Let's spend money on making it different. Because if there's at least one thing that people can find to talk about, that's going to shave for my marketing budget.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't have to spend as much because there was one thing to talk about. People put out videos all the time and complain about comments. I'm like, there was nothing to comment on. There was nothing. Right. It was just a music video.
0: Right. Right, so it's... What
1: do you want me to say about it? Yeah. That? There was nothing special.
0: It, yeah. So
1: spend money making a special and then all these things will come from it and then the marketing becomes easier and then even the marketing has a direction like because we did that special thing when we do our media buys let's focus on that
0: yeah Uh, it comes back to some of the stuff you were talking earlier about like if there's a particular line in a song that's particularly potent perhaps or you know will capture the imagination of of youth culture you'll pull that out of the not only the song but it'll end up in the videos it'll end up in the, in the, the strap lines for any ads that you might be running somewhere else. Right. Yeah. So yeah. a
1: lot of times, for example, artists will put out videos too late.
0: Hmm. Right? Yes.
1: Now, a year later, when I've heard your song a thousand times, my expectations are so high. Right. If you put out a crappy video, uh-huh. I'm annoyed. I'm, I'm like, really? After all this time?
0: Yeah. Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It was better without the video. But look how much money you just wasted.
0: hmm
1: Either crush it and do something great or don't do the video.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm still... I was still going to YouTube and I'm fine with the audio still because I like the song.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, interesting. Because I mean... Because not all artists are visual artists, are no. they? No. And, and you know, and it can be... I mean, I do wonder at sort of like how much pressure people feel to... As you say, like kind of create, say, a, a video that is not just the, the audio with the visual, but right. it's something that is... that is that speaking to them through the other medium of, of, right. of the visual and that's it's hard right, you, right. Need, you often need a whole set of skills that you don't necessarily have in your immediate team yeah right?
1: and sometimes like your song might not be good right, <laughs> right. so if your song's not good try and have an exceptionally good video yeah because at least I'll watch it and that's at least, true yeah at least and that, I'll that... tell someone else to watch it but it's not that your song wasn't good there was nothing special about your song yeah it sounded like everything else out there so, how do I make it stand out? Make it stand out. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe people will give it a second listen. Yeah. But a lot of people, you know, a lot of artists are putting out stuff that looks exactly the same on all these different fronts. Yeah,
0: there seems to be a bit of a formula around certain yeah. hip hop videos. Um,
1: Unless you already have the fan base, you can't do that. Yeah. If you already have the fan base, because they're expecting you to put something out mm-hmm. that doesn't look polished, that doesn't that looks exactly like your last ten videos, they're expecting that. Yeah. And actually, if you do something different, they don't. They're like, you sold out, yeah. or you changed, or I miss yeah. you know the 2018 version of you. Mm-hmm. So, but if you're like most of the things I'm saying are based on breaking in, right, developing, standing out, getting out of the clutter, getting mm-hmm. out of the noise. Once you're an established artist, none of these rules apply to you.
0: Right, because anything that you do will
1: you can you can you can because your voice is heard when yeah. you come. Like people can be like, "This video sucks." You can say, well, "Well, okay, I did this because I wanted to feel what it's like to have a shitty video," <laughs> and people are going to be like, wow, oh, "Wow, that's amazing!" You know, they'll hear you. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, you you mentioned TikTok very briefly there. This Triller as well, and because I, I mean, I I kind of had this. Uh, it's not really a question, but um, around sort of UGC being slightly different from um, uh, you know like the the influencer campaigns. But I guess that's kind of also UGC to a certain extent. But I mean that these are these are like new platforms that are appearing that, as you said earlier, the music industry is now excited about because it's doing something different for mm-hmm. them. Um, but also for the audience it's different and another way with which your role at Empire you've mm. now got to suddenly become the expert in um right. I mean in terms of like those UGC platforms um like how do you help connect the the with the audience using it like what, what are like good tried and tested kind of things that have worked well in anything that you've done so far
1: on the UGC side yeah
0: yeah I mean TikTok being 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 the one that people think of that, that's new and obviously Triller being something very similar Right. Yeah, have you have you found any sort of uh, things that have worked well so far? And I know I, I know it's new, but
1: for for on the TikTok side, what I like, even though I might not, TikTok is a very creator first platform, right? Um, so which which puts me in an unfair advantage because I don't create as much content. But what I th- the way I could be good at it is by spending time on it and figuring out what is good to what is good content on TikTok and what is not. Um, so then I can help identify not only when I tell my artists what, that they should be on TikTok, but what looks like, what is something good on TikTok? And then TikTok on its own has its own trends. Like all of a sudden people are using certain lenses Mm -hmm. or people are using certain editing tools or Mm -hmm. people. So knowing these features also help us when we're coming up with marketing campaigns. Like, could we use this feature? Could we incorporate this lens? Can can we talk about it, period? Like, the lyrics to a song could say something about that and then everyone on that platform will want to use it. Like, if you had a song now called When I Wake Up Monday Morning, Mm -hmm. guess what? Everyone on Monday morning when they post their TikTok are going to use that song Mm -hmm. because it fits perfectly. And it's funny because we were just talking about Spotify and I just realized that you want music in the background not to take away from someone's attention, but just to be in the background. Yeah. And for a lot of tiktok it's just finding the right background music um and the easier it is for me to create the content with it the easier it is for more videos to be out yeah. there so wake up monday morning everyone's really good at waking up monday morning it's really easy to use that song yeah, yeah. um so even when you're naming a song maybe think about how can i make this an actionable yeah, from thing from a search point of view yeah else how do you make me? it something actionable where when, when someone's looking for anything to be in the background, it's yeah. the first thing that's going to pop up.
0: And also, again, having the, the hook at the beginning because the way that the, the audio is, is dumped onto the screen, first right. of all, it typically just sort of lands at the beginning. The first 30 seconds, it. yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and then, if not, you come up with ideas of what you want people to do and then you can do it yourself or you can find content creators and be like, hey, like, could you, would you be down to do this? Yeah. And sometimes that's all it needs, like to push that first domino, and then the rest falls on its own.
0: I mean, some artists are going to be quite engaged with these platforms, like just naturally because either they're genuinely part of that kind right. of user demographic that those platforms are uh, targeted at. But for for some of the other artists that are perhaps maybe not always age, but like sometimes it's you know they're a bit older and they're just not really and they're and they're kind of like looking at this, going like, how am I supposed? I to I
1: completely understand that. I mean, I'm in the same boat. I, I was just in a meeting be- before meeting with you, and and I and I was very frank. I said. I know it's really hard. It's, you know, first of all, your ego. It's like, I'm this person who has a million followers on Instagram, and now you're asking me to go on a new platform where I'm going to have zero to start. Uh-huh. And what if my content isn't good? What if people don't like me? What if mm-hmm. it's not as good as other people? It's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. I, I totally get it. So find someone to do it if you don't. But right, you have right, to right. do it. You've got to do something. About uh, are
0: you it. finding m- more kind of downward pressure that way at your role at Empire because there are all these new platforms turning up and it's like uh, we've got this new album out uh, Moody can you figure this out on, yeah, yeah
1: 100% and it's it's crazy because now it's easier than ever to become an artist if you're a big TikToker
0: um, right okay. uh, because you can, you can cross it over because you can cross it
1: off. over like that's what we were talking about like the thing about TikTok fans is instant gratification. If you have and like people that follow certain people on TikTok, they engage with the content right away. So, if I put out a music video and I say go check it out, the moment I say that, all my TikTok fans go there. Yeah. Leave comments, likes, literally all the comments will be like, I'm here from TikTok. Hundreds of comments, wow. right? So you just use TikTok to manipulate YouTube's algorithm. To think that you're a big artist and now all of a sudden you're gonna be recommended everywhere, and it's all this was just because you built that TikTok fan base first. Yeah. They're so quick. You're talking about people in schools, you're talking about people with free time, you're talking about people that are so deep in that platform that, and they're proud. Mm-hmm. People on TikTok are proud to be on TikTok.
0: And then I guess people are going off and finding the record on Spotify, and then right. that, that's then also having that impact over there as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. But it, it starts with building that fit fan base on tiktok first and and that's why like i'll ask a lot of artists to do it but if they don't want to do it then you know you can't do anything about it yeah and 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 i understand that like even for i think almost every day i record a tiktok video and then delete it because i just don't think it's as good (laughs) right um because like i want to i want to have my own personality just like any artist would want to Mm -hmm. and it's hard to find when you're, when you're coming in late or the, the thing is a, a lot of people's TikTok is completely different than their Instagram like they're all wacky and silly and funny and and like if you look at their Instagram they're polished and they're, and they're models and they never smile like it's you know what I mean yeah. so unlocking that third door isn't really easy for a lot of people yeah because yeah, it yeah. is a big deal
0: yeah absolutely um, so I'm guessing this is quite a tiresome question but is there a best strategy? Do you get asked that question, like what should we do? Yeah. Oh, like I guess a lot of the time, and are, are you just kind of sort of thinking. I, I guess you have a process, right? When you when you're presented with that question, like what's right. the best strategy for a particular artist, you probably have a process of. My guess is understanding how to approach this. I mean, you know.
1: So I mean, the first thing. Uh, I mean, it's definitely a question I get asked often, and more every time I answer, it, I try and
0: paraphrase <laughs> or improve or, or, or on it yeah of course but
1: yeah. um, the last time I answered this question um, I think that's it clicked in my head and I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase that but okay. people are so used to music being consumed audibly for the longest time but today music is consumed visually first
0: mm-hmm.
1: what that means is most of the time people's phones are on silent and they're going through their feed and so the, my first interaction with you as an artist is a picture or a video, or whatever, but it's on mute, mm-hmm. right? Or it's a static image, it's yeah. just your artwork. Yeah, yeah. So, if our very first impression is something visual, mm-hmm. that needs to be worked on the most. Interesting. Because first I'll consume your music visually, and then I'm gonna click on it, and engage with it with more than just my eyes. Yeah. Um, then it's my eyes and ears, and then it's my, and then my brain is gonna wanna learn more about you, and then more and more, You know, reform this relationship. So, working on like your aesthetic, your visuals, the way you look from the get-go, being clean and consistent and different, Mm -hmm. which is the most important one. Every single artist that's blown up in the last ten years had had completely different branding, from from Lil Nas X to what's his name, the
0: Snitch. Oh. Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? To Post Malone. To every one of these people is a completely different comic book character. You look at them and it's different. If I'm scrolling and I see that, I'm like, who is it?
0: Yeah. And then... And then you go. And and then I want to learn more. That's when the discovery happens.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so work on that first. Um, And I think a lot of people do it offline very well, but online don't do a good job. Right. Like I'll see people in the street or come to the office or meet them in you know at a, at a, in person and they look you know everything about them is great their personality the way they talk their clothes the way they move mm. but then online none of that it just translates. doesn't it doesn't seem to yeah doesn't translate yeah and vice versa yeah right yeah so that would that would be like the first thing you want to work on um, and then from there make sure you know your music's good and all that but again it has to match yeah like, yeah. right now, if anyone wore a cowboy hat, the first thing they think about was Lil Nas X. Yeah. Um, the only person that got away with it was Diplo. But everybody else, that's his, That's it. Anyone who tries to do it, you're automatically copying it. So, maybe don't. <laughs> maybe don't. Yeah, do something else. You know, like face tattoos. When they, when they first started, like, uh-huh. 10 years ago, it was like, whoa, look at this guy. Look what he just did. And mm-hmm. they're like, literally, rappers became famous for doing it nowadays it's like whatever it's mm. just another face stat. Yeah. So, but find something else you know doesn't have to be physical even just the way you write your name mm-hmm. the way your artist name is right. um, maybe your you know your face is always hidden but there's always like text on. I don't, I don't know but it's just <laughs> throughout time that's always been the key to success is standing out from people like Daft Punk and Dead Mouse to people t- to The weekend. Yeah. it's always been you know Curiosity and appearance. Yeah. And now more than ever, it's become relevant because appearance is the first thing you see yeah, when you consume music.
0: So, so it's interesting. So, the, the the answer to the question about best strategy was nothing to do with oh, you've got to have an advert on YouTube and you've got to no. you know. Do, you, I mean, it's nothing I'm quite as I'm systematic saying, as that. You, you've, you've, I'm saying first impressions. Yeah. No. But and it's it like I think probably for my listeners, that's probably something that. They, they're not necessarily thinking about if, especially if they're in education and right. they're being told you've got to learn about this and you've got to learn about doing you know operating this platform or whatever but, but
1: take that and apply it to all of that so yeah of course yeah. on a YouTube advert that first two seconds hmm. on a Facebook advert that first two seconds on an Instagram that first two seconds because that's as much free attention you'll get from someone and if you don't wheel them in right away no one's gonna see the rest of it. Mm-hmm. That first two seconds is all you got. That's why I'm saying how you have to have the artist name and title in the beginning, because even though they skip it, at mm-hmm. least you got them to know, to know the name, you know. But apply that to every one of the platforms, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't. No one has time anymore for sh- shitty content or content that's not personalized for them. That's why people skip ads all the time because because right. the targeting is shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. You have companies with huge budgets who just like you you're trying to watch you know um, a a taiga video and then you got a car commercial yeah I don't understand yeah who in the right mind has clicked on it and went bought the car yeah but they have so much budget
0: that they target
1: everyone who likes hip-hop music it's stupid
0: so the uniformity of message isn't it it's just like just by all means
1: it makes my job easier because when I do my job the way I'm supposed to, mm-hmm. they're surprised. Right, right. And then they'll leave comments like, holy shit, that was the best YouTube ad I've ever gone. Yeah. No, it's not. It's just a it's just, an ad made for you. Yeah. Everyone else just does stupid-ass
0: targeting. <laughs> uh, love that. Um, so we're getting towards the end, I think. Uh, but I just wanted to ask, um, thinking about your role, is what, what sort of advice do you have for anyone who's thinking about you know getting into this because one of the things that struck me recently was, um, whenever I look at like, uh, you know, job adverts, that a lot of them are in this kind of space because it feels to me like, especially record companies, are kind of going, We need a digital marketing person, and often they don't even know what that means, right. or they don't have a like, very good idea, and that's actually why they need to hire somebody to come and teach them about it, right? Um, so but obviously, you came, you know, from outside the music industry, do you think that was a benefit? To to you and in your in in this application of you had this interest you were you know you were a DJ um, producer producer as well right. yeah um, so you've and you said earlier you've sort of combined that personal interest with your you know professional life and this other skill that you had around advertising right. and the rest of it but I mean do, do you think it's advisable for somebody who wants to be a good digital marketing person to in the music industry perhaps to go and experience that somewhere else or does it not really matter? And therefore, you could come straight into the music industry? On the
1: digital marketing side, I think if you came f- from outside the music industry and decided to join a label, you're gonna be at a handicap because a lot of, like, you're gonna have to do a lot of, let's call it A B testing before you become good at what you do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure necessarily if you'll have the luxury. Of having that time to a B test and experiment and do mistakes Um, a lot when we when I get a campaign I can write the the media plan off the top of my head in like 15 minutes and I know exactly what artists to target what keywords to use um, because I'm in the music industry I understand who's who's bubbling today who's actually related who's related to this artist with their aesthetic who's related to this artist in that city who's what are certain artists I shouldn't use because for some reason their fans are annoying and just dislike everything mm-hmm. things like that that I've learned from working so much help me skip so many steps and get results from day one so I would advise them I think it's better to be in the music industry and then learn digital marketing I mean our, our team um, I just it started off by finding the right team members that were already part of Empire that I felt were coachable um, and were able to understand things quickly and take um, instructions and work on their own from there. And then they became digital marketers. Uh, I think the skills are easy to teach. It's the intuition that's hard to hmm. learn. And so being in the music industry is what's gonna help you. Brilliant. Um, the, the others and the, the thing about digital marketing too is like you know I came you know 10 years ago what we were doing in digital marketing does not apply at all today so if you're joining today there's probably things you're going to learn that someone that's been in the industry for 10 years doesn't know
0: yeah yeah I had a, um, uh, another guest on the show uh, an author and, and he, he said he, I forget who he was he was quoting it was Scott Cohen who started The Orchard uh, who I think has a, a mantra around: um, if you, if you think you know everything about the music industry, then you don't. It's just changed. Mm-hmm. It's it, like just in absolutely,
1: hundred yeah. percent. And then one thing I've 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 become really good at is, you know, before this meeting we were talking about how like we went from being the youngest people in the room to all of a sudden being. Right. The <laughs> so I like to make sure that I'm surrounded by younger people. Mm-hmm and younger people that are smarter than me younger people that are going to challenge me mm-hmm. I can't and I, and I have absolutely no ego like we can be in a meeting and I'll ask the youngest person in the meeting to be like what do you think mm-hmm. because you're you're the closest person to my target audience yeah. and your input is probably better than everyone else in this room mm-hmm. so I, I need to hear your, what you have to say about this I, I
0: think I've heard you say that in meetings actually where you've sort of stopped everyone because they, they've all vocalized their opinion and, and you've gone but none of you were 12-year-old girls or whatever the example was. It's like, maybe we should get...
1: Yeah, like why... You know, it doesn't make sense. That's just your opinion. Even though most artists don't even know their own fan
0: base.
1: Most artists don't know how TikTok works. Most artists don't know. So surrounding myself with people that are smart and younger and are coachable is... Because I can teach anyone how to do digital marketing, Mm -hmm. but I can't... And they can teach me how... You know, people today are listening to music or how they're consuming music or where they're finding music. As much as I can, I'll stay up to date and I will use these things. But they're better off being more in tune and telling me what's going on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just to answer your question, I think digital marketing, you can learn digital marketing today. And because it's something that makes Facebook and Google and all these companies a lot of money, all their training modules literally every year get better yeah. and cooler yeah, yeah. and smarter and better certificates so you mm-hmm. can learn all this on your own right, right, right. but you need to have that intuition and the knowledge from the music industry to make to understand what really how are people discovering music today and that's why we should be doing this
0: um, so yeah that's incredible advice thank you very much uh, so I think we'll uh, we'll, we'll Uh, call call it a day there Um, thank you very much for coming on really appreciate your time really happy to
1: be here Um,
0: so to my listeners thank you for listening Uh, as ever I welcome all feedback comments and suggestions for future shows Uh, you can reach me on my Twitter handle at Alex Branson and if you want to send me a direct message just put podcast DM in the the message and I'll follow you back Uh, or of course head to the website www.abcmusic.co where you'll find a contacts page drop me an email thank you once again